Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about emptiness, validity, value, truth, uh, all that fun stuff. But before that, uh, go to theinfinitesparkofbeing.com if you'd like to continue supporting this effort of mine. Uh, and uh, book three is on its way. But for now, another journal episode along the beach road uh, in sunny South Florida. Today it is, uh, right now it is 59 degrees outside and windy. And we don't do well in that, uh, <laughs> in that weather. Um, anyway, I'm not uh, quite wearing a bubble coat. Uh, but I am wearing a uh, long sleeve shirt under a windbreaker. So that constitutes winter cold weather gear here. Um, so uh, since I am a Caucasian cisgendered straight male that takes care of himself and I'm over the age of 40, I'm actually 46, I feel like I have to preface everything I'm about to say with I was abused for eight years in my church and my school, handled inappropriately by adults, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that way I don't sound like a complete... Uh, well, what happens is I express certain things and then people reach out to me telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about because they assume that things have gone well for me because I am those things. Um, because I'm, you know, I have genetics that... I don't know, we're different from theirs. I have no idea. Um, anyway, but I do have a history of abuse. Uh, and there was some uh, PTSD, some trauma responses involved in some of that. That uh, I've worked real hard with uh, uh, the help of other people to put those things in storage. But what I'd like to talk about uh, is... There is this thing where um, I'll, I'll try to use myself as the example because um, so just because it'll be safer that way um, for me, honestly, um, not for you, but because uh, the massive eye roll that I have to do when I hear some of you pipe off, it's just exhausting. But um, all of my experiences are not always valid. Um, karma is the predisposition of the mind to attraction and aversion. Karma is not what happens. Karma is how the mind handles it. How the mind relates to it, actually. Um, and there can be a car crash where two cars run into each other. That is not the, the actual uh, collision of the objects is not the karma. The way the individuals involved with it related to it through their mind is actually karma. Like, like I've said in the past, my mother dying in those weeks, my karma was good. Mom is going to die when mom is going to die. How my mind relates to it is my karmic predicament. And you know, um, <clears throat> karma is neither good nor bad. It just, just it's what it's just happening, right? Now, when I said my experience is not always valid, what I meant was this: everything that we experience is not necessarily the truth. Um, 
if I misunderstand you and I then hold a grudge against you and I become very angry with you, is that valid? Is my anger valid? Is my anger rooted in fact? These are the kind of questions that you have to start asking yourself as you wake up. You know, it's not... um, Nothing is cut and dry. But the first thing to understand, I think, that where you get to... Let me go back over that, actually. So, um, there was... I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a little boy... um, it was like child abuse was the hot topic, right? It was the 80s. Um, and my mother had a book that said 101 ways to amuse your child. I found that book and I completely misread the title. Uh, mind you, um, I couldn't really read or write until fifth or sixth grade. So there's another... Um, you know, I was what the kids called neurodivergent. Uh, but um, I sulked around the house. I was very angry with my mom. I was sad. I was upset. In that moment is my... Because I thought that it said 101 ways to abuse your child. Is my um, anger valid? Is it rooted in truth? Is it rooted in fact? Is it a fact? For something to be valid, there has to be facts involved. For there to be a fact, there has to be true. True would mean unwavering or or constant or whatever. So you see there's a problem with language here and the way we use language. So my mother asked me why I was so upset. And I told her, I said, I found that book. She's like, what book? And I told her that I found the book in the closet, the orange book that said 101 ways to amuse or abuse your child. She went in the closet and got it and put it on the kitchen counter in front of me. She goes, this book? The one that says 101 ways to amuse your child? And I just kind of sat there and was like, yeah, that one. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, this is what I mean. We have to be careful. We can't just, you know, that that old saying that feelings aren't facts, they're not. You know, uh, your feelings or my feelings, anybody's feelings, uh, there's layers to it. You know, you can have an emotional response that's angry. You know, I'm very angry, but then... You know, that's your secondary emotion. It's not even your primary emotion. Maybe your primary emotion is you feel less than, inadequate, unheard, sad, etc., etc. But those things are very hard to be at somebody, so you just get angry at them. Because you have trouble being articulate and accurate with your feelings. Does that make your anger or your experience valid? So... These are the questions you have to ask yourself. Now, if you just want to go with everything that your nervous system tells you, be my guest. Turn this off now. But, like Krishna tells Arjuna, you are a slave to the senses. You have to become liberated from the senses. The ability to have the mind race, the body feel, and still be able to be calm, be still, 
and kind of take things apart and, and ask deeper questions. Now, if you just want to go with every gut response that your nervous system tells you, good luck. You get poked here, you go that way. You get poked there, you go that way. Good luck with your free will. Now, Carl Jung, and I mentioned this, I believe, in the episode on synchronicities. Carl Jung would say, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, the utility of a window is in that there is nothing there. The utility of a door is because it's empty. A window is empty. That's why it is useful. If I uh, need a shelf to put things on, a shelf is only useful if it's empty. Right? The emptiness of things is what adds the utility. We can start to empty things out a bit. This is the whole idea of emptiness within Buddhism. It's not, you know, it's this, uh, and people try to make it this deep esoteric kind of thing that is, you know, you know, difficult to understand. You won't understand it until you're dead. And that's simply not true. You can understand it now. And I've, I believe I've mentioned this before. And a canvas, a fresh canvas is empty. It's pure potentiality. There is no intrinsic value. All humans do not have value to you. You don't know them. You walk past people every day. You don't know them. You don't feel something because the mind, your mind, has not valued them. Okay? Um, I drive a car that uh, is useful to me. If I had a large boat and I needed to pull it, I would need a truck, a larger truck, and that would be more valuable to me. And this car would no longer be valuable. So you see the thing. It's not that trucks are better than cars or cars. It's not that. It's that it's just I, my mind hasn't valued it. Right? Now, when it comes to us, who we are and what we are, your essential nature is empty. It's just nothing. You are inherently nobody. Your identity is relational and it doesn't exist. For something to exist, it has to have an objective reality. Your identity is not objectively real. Keith is a relative concept. My attachment to this relative concept that I've developed within my own mind is like, if I'm attached to it, then it's going to require that you're on board with it too. If I believe that I'm a very nice person, I'm going to need you to believe that too. If I'm attached to my nice guyness, right? But what if you don't believe that I'm a nice person? Well, and I need you on board. We create all this suffering and discomfort, like all that kind of thing. And it's all over whether or not Keith, if I stand on the side of the road, nobody knows my name is Keith. Nobody knows what I do for a living. Nobody knows any of that stuff. They just see an object, right? It's just a thing. They don't know my character. They don't know anything. You know, and there are people that meet you and do not like you. 
And there are people that meet you and they do like you. So who's right and who's wrong? Neither. None of it exists. It's all relative, relational stuff. This is why this birth is so useful. Because it's all kind of empty. And yeah, like Don Miguel Ruiz says in The Four Agreements, you wake up into this dream and it's all already here. You don't need to figure out what a coffee table is. They're, they told you. This object in front of the couch already has context. You already know what it is because they told you what it was. Right? Which is part of the, the learning in, in this birth is that you're learning to break things down empty them out at least understand that you only call it a coffee table and use it as a coffee table because they told you to it's like in Carlos Castaneda's book Journey to Islam right when Juan Matus tells him that you live in a description of reality and from a very early age you were beaten over the head with that description until you repeated it back to them your name your all of it this is what's very confusing about our culture right now. Said everyone, it's, it's all identity stuff. And everyone, like I, and this is, you know, not to get into anything, you know, crazy, but, you know, I, as far as like pronouns and things, like I'll call you whatever you want. I'll respect it. I'm fine with it. Whatever. I don't give a shit. I don't think anything of it. It's, you want to be called whatever, I'll call you whatever. But if your happiness is hinged on everyone getting on board with this thing, then it's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. You know? If you need everyone on board with it, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like. Because the, the things have already been described to them. And you're trying to give the object a new description and they just can't seem to let go of the old one. I'll let go of it. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Call you what you want. Um, so that is emptiness and non-self, basically. The idea of non-self is that there is no fixed self. It's who you think you are doesn't have existence. And you can take it a step further. I was touched and handled inappropriately by adults as a kid. But they didn't touch me. Who did they touch? If there isn't a cell that was there when I got touched and I don't even look the same, I don't even act the same then this, this memory is just this data on a hard drive. And then we get into the me thing. Like, am I soul? Am I soul or am I a body? If I'm the body, then... Well, okay, let's say you are the body. What's a body? It's a collection of cells. Okay, which cells? Which body are you going to identify with? Are you your consciousness? Okay. That, that, good luck with that too. 
there's one thing that's been constant and it's awareness the more we identify with ever changing minds and bodies and this is and that's the more difficult this gets and understand it I mean the ego needs a place to stand you know it needs a fixed place and this is what Buddha meant about like the suffering a lot of suffering happens because the, the mind or the ego's belief or need or requirement for a fixed solid self a truth the need for an objective reality okay you think about that for a second Objective means it's free of opinions, preferences, and personal tastes. That's an objective truth or objective reality, whatever. It's like free of opinions, preferences, and tastes. Like, you know, and one of the worst things is, like I've said, that we tend to say, well, that's only subjective. Well, the whole thing's subjective. And it, that, don't dismiss the subjectivity of all of this. The subjectivity is the most powerful part. It's the most difficult part because the reality is that this whole thing is malleable. Have the experience that you want to have. If someone says it's not a valid experience, that's not your problem. Like, is it valid? Who does it have to be valid for? Why does it have to be valid? Why do you need your shit validated? You had a, a client talking to her. She's crying on the phone. And she's saying some scary, dramatic things. And I said, well, have you talked to your therapist, your sponsor? Yes. What did they say? Well, they said that my, I, that my feelings are valid. And I said, well, wh- which feelings? What are you talking about? Because I don't know. They just said my feelings are valid. I don't know what the fuck that means. It's not, I thought, shit, I don't know either. Which feelings? She said, I don't know. This, your feelings are valid. is something that people say because they don't know what the fuck to tell you. So we stayed on the phone and we took it apart. And where she left off was that the way she was feeling was an experience that she was having, but it wasn't valid in in that it wasn't rooted in truth. It wasn't rooted in consistency. This is the problem when we want our experience validated. If her experience is the cause for her to do something very drastic and harmful, should I validate that experience? As a professional, do I validate that? Or do I try to take it apart and show her that maybe it's not the way she thought it was? And then she gets to feel a little better about the situation, calm down. So this thing where this therapist and these people just go, well, your experience, it's valid. But then they don't tell them why or how or what the fuck that even means. You see the problem here? It's not going to be black and white. You know, and then uh, another client was uh, a 
victim of or uh, there for a very tragic, uh, violent act. And there are several people with her. Some of them lived, some of them didn't. And she is well. I want my experience validated. Okay? What does that mean? I don't know. I just want to feel heard. I said, okay, so you want to feel heard about your experience. Before this event happened, do you have a history of feeling heard? Well, no. Okay, so you've never felt heard. So it's not necessarily about this experience. It's about your perception of people not hearing you. So we had to go each person. Does your mother, do you really believe your mother does not hear you? Well, no, she listens. Okay, how about your boyfriend? Well, he listens. Does he always understand you? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, do you always understand him? No. Okay. And then she says, well, I just, I feel alone. Okay, well, let's look at that. And I told her, I said, you and everyone that this thing happened to could buy your own private island. And you could all sit there all day long ruminating, discussing, and retelling this horrific story over and over and over and over. And I can guarantee you what would happen. Somebody would say something that you don't recall happening. Everyone would probably have a different story about it. And the, and the, the truth of it is that you all had a different experience. Similar, yes. Different, absolutely. Because no one is you. You are alone. But that need for validation, that doesn't mean that we don't have community and things like that. It's not what I'm saying. But I know that you aren't going to have my experience. A lot of people went to that school. The one that I went to. And I was the only one in that closet, day in and day out. Not that I was in there all day, every single day. But I noticed it was always free when I needed it, or when they thought that I did. So I was the only one having that experience. Let's say there was one other kid having that experience the only experience I'm comfortable discussing in this, this uh, arena. Their experience is still different from mine. Yeah. This is, we got to call into question these things. There's no abs, I'm not giving an absolute answer or a way to think or be. I'm just saying this is a lot more complicated than we think it is. When we insist and demand that everyone validate what happened, it's very tricky. My job is to make people feel heard. And I do that. Do I always know what they're talking about? No. Do I... Do I understand? No. I've never been trafficked. I don't know what that feels like. I have no idea. I haven't experienced a lot of the things that, that people talk to me about. But I can 
put myself in the room in a situation that allows them to perceive me as hearing them. Half the time, all anybody wants is just for you not to say something in opposition to what they experienced. So when I do that, you got to be very careful about it. Because you want to open up their mind to other possibilities. Otherwise, you know, you get lost in your own shit. The utility of a window is in its emptiness. The utility of a door is in its emptiness. The door is only useful when there's an empty space. A window is only useful when there is an empty space. The usefulness of the human birth is in its emptiness. So this goes back to rewriting our experience. So I hope this made sense. Um, Yeah. If you have questions, comments, fuck yous, uh, DM me, reach out. Um, we, you know, we're old friends. Um, yeah, that's it. Go to infinitesparkbean.com to support this effort. Uh, book three is on its way. That's all I got. 